Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, from the band Poopin, from the band Syringe, Aryan 13 is on the podcast, and this is someone I've wanted to talk to for a long time, and an episode I've been very excited about. More on that in one second, but first... First, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. I love you, buddy. Thank you for everything you do for the show, though I did book this episode myself. But Tristan also does a Instagram page for this podcast, at turnedoutapunk. I have my own Twitter Instagram, at leftfordamian. There's also a YouTube page for this podcast and a TikTok page. As well as, I think I already mentioned that Facebook page. All of those can be found at Turned Out of Punk on their respective platforms. If you want to support the show, tell all your friends about it. Tell everyone that you know that there's this podcast where they talk to people about punk. And uh, hopefully we spread the word that way. I also play in a band. We are called Fucked Up. You can find out more information over at fuckedup.cc. We have some upcoming shows in Europe. I believe, and as well as New York City, but I think New York's already sold out. Oh, there's a Buffalo show coming up too. So if you're in Buffalo, let's go for Mighty Taco. And uh, if you're not in Buffalo, drive there. Just get get in the car and and hit the road. Anyway, you can find out more information about all of that over at fuckedup.cc. All right, on to today's show. As I said off the top, today on the show, uh, someone I've wanted to talk to for a very long time, and I didn't even realize that uh, this was the same person. So Arian is someone that I kind of met on Instagram, social media a couple years ago. He's lead singer of a massively popular hardcore band. I say hardcore. He says kind of hardcore metal band from Indonesia called uh, Seringe. And Seringe, I think, is arguably one of the biggest hardcore bands in the world. Like, just look at how many people go to their shows. And, uh, but I had no idea that he's also the lead singer of the band Poopin. Now, Poopin, who I call Puppin. I should apologize at this point, actually, for all my pronunciation today. Uh, Poopin was a band that I first became familiar with off a comp of Bandung hardcore and punk bands that was released by Tiananmen 89. Now, Tiananmen 89 is a record label, probably one of the coolest record labels of all time in hardcore. They put out records from bands all over the world. And when I say all over the world, I mean they've got compilations with bands from Re- Reunion Island. They've got records from with bands from Afghanistan, bands from just everywhere. And it, we go into the kind of the history of the label on the episode, so I won't repeat myself. But if you do ever find any records on Tiananmen 89, I strongly recommend picking them up because they will expose you to 
in, in my case, music I had never heard prior to this. So to find out years later that the lead singer of Syringe is also the lead singer of Poopin off this compilation. Well, I hit him up and said, we got to do this podcast now. And my God, am I glad that we did. First off, because it turns out we had met years before in Australia. We tell that story on the podcast, so we'll hear that in a second. Uh, but second of all, because Arian feels exactly the same kind of hardcore kid that I feel like I am. Like someone who was versed in max rock and roll and, and raised in that kind of world and... Yeah. We talk about a lot of stuff that I had no clue about. And I, I obviously knew, as we talked about in the episode, that Indonesia had probably one of the biggest hardcore scenes in the world. But to, you know, actually kind of see how it all forms and how it all came together and to learn, like, this is why I do this podcast for episodes like this, where I, you come out and there's just like a ton of new bands to check out. So get your pens, get your paper, write down some names and, and do some digging on the internet afterwards and check out some of these bands. A, a good place to actually start looking would be Lawless Jakarta Records, which is the Ar Aryan's record label and record store that he runs. And you can find out more information about that, of course, on the internet. And also there's a uh, Lawless Burgers. So if you're in Jakarta, stop by Lawless Burgers and have a, a great burger as well. So... Uh, and check out Syringe, check out Poopin, check out all this stuff. And I'm not going to blather on anymore. Here's Aryan 13 on Turned Out a Punk. Aryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Damien, it's good to be here. Oh, it's a, it's a huge honor. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's a huge honor to, to talk to you again because we've actually hung out in person years ago yeah 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 i remember uh seeing you guys in uh perth australia yeah it's i think it's before Soundwave. yeah it's before Soundwave, and we were uh me and my uh best friend ricky he, he's a uh, my guitarist uh for the band i'm uh i'm now Seringai, and we were like we wanted to see fucked up and we see we got a chance to see you guys and then you were hanging out outside after the show and we just you know sometimes there's uh always uh words that might uh get your attention like hi we're from indonesia we came here far away just for you something like that and it usually works and yeah then suddenly you invite us to the your backstage and we were there. Did you know that my guitarist has stopped drinking for a long time because of the uh, of his health? He's okay, but then he said to me that, dude, if Damien Abraham offers you a beer, you gotta drink it. So he drinks again that night. <laughs> That's the only Australia I'm drinking. <laughs> nah, it's too, okay. So. He's good. He's good. It was a fun <laughs> night. Well, and also. You could have really impressed me if you told me you were the singer of Puppin. <laughs> I didn't know if anyone knows, you know. Probably some of my friends uh, years in, uh, you know, being a contributor in Maximum Rock and Roll. Probably, yeah, but I don't think anyone knows. Well, that's the thing. It's, 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 there's just, I feel like, as I was telling you off air, there's been no interview that I've come into more ignorant about 
you know, like other than the stuff I've listened to, like I'm a huge fan of both of your bands, like, well, you know, all the music you do. And I've obviously clicked around on the records you put out and tried to listen to it. But I feel, I feel like at a, a, a real, um, I don't know. I feel totally ignorant on the largest hardcore scene in the world. Like Indonesia, like anyone who plays there comes back and says a show that you're going to play there is going to be the biggest show you've ever played. And you know, just in terms of like your band and how big your band is and the audiences you play to, I'm, I just feel so grateful that you're taking the time to kind of educate me as well as let me interview you about something that I should know far more about than I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, actually, to be honest, I think Indonesia's size is almost the same with America, but we are more like islands. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that that's into the scene. When I first uh, acknowledged the hardcore, the punk scene, I think it was pretty late. Uh, I mean, like Malaysia, Singapore, they have their hardcore and punk bands in since the 80s but Indonesia probably from the 90s there were there were like some punk bands in the 80s but they're more like uh, cover version bands you know like Sex Pistols, Ramones and stuff like that but the true what do you say how do you say it? the true movement is <laughs> in the early 90s well I want to get to to that, but I, I want to start, I guess, the way they all start off, which is, Arian, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across punk or hardcore? I think I was a junior high school, and a friend of mine just said, hey, this is uh, this band is uh, cool. Uh, they have an album out, and he handed me a tape of uh, Sex Pistols, the first album, so it was probably was the mainstream and they call it punk you know or new wave thing so this was junior high then it must be around probably 86 87 uh and yeah when we first hear uh sex pistol it was like i think we can do this you know <laughs> like <laughs> the the riffs are not so hard at the time we think like that and also you don't really have a beautiful voice to sing you know because johnny rotten like come to think of it's like it's the worst vocalist <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah it inspired us to uh, start playing bands and get deeper deep, and deeper in a punk rock band and i used to live in bandung so indonesia capital city is jakarta and bandung is at the time was like about four hours from Jakarta before there were highways. Now we have highways, so Jakarta to Bandung is only like two hours. Mm. But at the time it was four hours. And yeah, there's a record store in Bandung called Aquarius. And we used to hang out there. It's, at the time it was all tapes and it was all bootleg. Was it all kind of records that were getting bootlegged at that time? Or is it mainly just like bigger metal bands and, and bigger rock bands type thing? Or like, uh, no, it's, uh, all kinds of type. Uh, I mean, like you got Motley Crue, you got Metallica, but suddenly you have what diamond head, 
and sometimes obscure bands but that you never heard of uh even today probably <laughs> yeah but it's it's really random but it was bootleg until 80, uh, 1988 out of topic a bit i have a sample of you know this tape no it's called oh, over wait. here it's called thrash generation but actually this is this is not bootleg actually but this is uh, a compilation that that in, came out in eight, uh, 1981 <laughs> but then again we learned that the actual uh the actual title of that compilation is this the grind crusher comp that's right i have heard of that tape yeah because at the time nobody knows about death metal or grindcore right and thrashes were were b- really big here so the record company just changed the artwork and the title into thrash generation so You mentioned like the Indonesian punk bands that were going. Were there like Indonesian metal bands kind of like happening as well in Jakarta? Yeah, uh, at the time we were like uh, in the early '90s, where fresh metal is big and hardcore music starts coming in. Uh, by hardcore, I mean like well-known bands here at the time were like Biohazard, uh, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front. You can. You can say it's a bit more underground at the time because it's hard to get the records, you know. And we in Bandung we ha- we have a hangout place called Gelora Saparwa. It's a huge sports hall that we used to uh, make shows. We we call it shows, but actually the uh, people attending that uh, festival can be like. 3000 to 4000 people. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So uh, there's metal band, there's indie pop bands, there's uh, punk rock bands, hardcore bands, everyone just like hanging out together there. And one one sh- uh one big show will there's there will be about 30 30 bands probably. Each band playing like 15 minutes or 20 minutes, so like 3 4 songs usually. So the first band will be like at sometimes like nine o'clock in the morning, and it ends on in nine o'clock in the night or eleven probably. So yeah, there, there you go. So uh, here in Indonesia, we don't have a bar culture thing at the time. So I mean, like in Canada or in the Europe, America, you have like you, you can tour like. Bars, right? Well, it's what the music industry. Sorry. No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I was just going to say, yeah, it's exactly like the music industry kind of exists on bar culture. Over here, we don't really have that. I mean, bars is uh, more like old school bars at the time in the '90s. So, like more old people, older people going there, and of course, we don't have money to go to get booze or something in the bar because it's uh, more expensive. So usually we hang out outside the sports hall where if there's a music festival going on and yeah that's where the scene started we know each other you know and also uh we meet or hang out with together in uh usually high school events unlike your your high school outside we we used to make a like a public music festival 
so everyone can come buy a ticket, but it was organized by uh, high school students. So there you got punk bands, you got metal bands. Usually, they uh, before the 90s, they, they make it, and usually it was like jazz bands, you know, like top 40 pop bands, but then the, probably one or two rock bands, then the generation started to change, and they invite more underground bands. That was, yeah, in the 90s, 92. So what was the, what What do you think caused that change to happen? Where like the younger bands, was it like just, was there a particular band that started, kicked things off, you know, like in, in any sort of way? Or is it just sort of like a, a gradual thing that kind of happened? Huh. I think it first started with a, it was trending. The thrash metal is trending, so every high school student wants to form a thrash metal band. So from there, there were uh, bands. Usually, they were like cover version bands, and they play like you know, like Metallica, Testament, uh, Megadeth, and all those kind of uh, you know, like the big four thrash metal thing too. And then some people starting to get more underground that, hey, I got this tape from uh, Violence. I got this tape from Exodus and it grows, you know? You know, yeah. when you're, you're, when you were like 15, you were into thrash metal and then you, you crave more extreme music, then it's, <laughs> yeah. it went from there. But I think Indonesia is a bit late. Like, Death metal is starting uh, probably like in 87, 88, but we just got death metal like probably like from this this compilation, Grind Crusher, Thrust, in 91. But that's still like, it's still underground music in North America too, right? Like it's, I guess it's slightly more popular in England because they play it on the BBC a little bit, but... In Canada, the Grind Crusher comp was definitely obscure. Like that, like most people didn't know it over here. It's yeah, like I, like with the same kids. Like when you're talking about these festivals, these all day festivals, would like the same kids like go and watch the indie pop bands, watch the metal bands, watch the punk bands, or is it like kids kind of coming in and out, like different scenes, kind of forming, coming, coming in and out, uh, but some stay. So yeah, so it's pretty uh, much diverse. I mean, if you're a uh, death metal dude uh you know this indie pop band i mean like no not only their music but you know you 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 know the guys too and they hang out together too probably uh the one thing that unite us is the love for music uh non-mainstream music and i have to say it's also uh booze <laughs> yeah. You know, like hanging out, drinking, getting drunk. I mean, like, if you're a death metal guy, then you're an indie pop guy, but you have the same love for uh, beer, let's say, and get drunk together. You, you'll, you'll be like best friends for life, you know? Yeah. Like you mentioned, Indonesia is like a massive country and it's very much spread out. Were there a lot of like international bands like like sort of like that were sort of national bands i should say sort of like bands that would like be from Badung or, or jakarta that would get popular across the country or is it more like a local scene kind of thing that's happening at that time it was a more of a local scene in bandung but we start 
getting uh, bands from uh, nearest cities are coming and our our bands from Bandung starts playing to Jakarta or Bogor, you know, nearest city. And some bands, uh, like my band at the time called Tupan, we got uh, more popular. And yeah, we played pretty much almost everywhere in Indonesia. But yeah, at the time, uh, regarding to your questions <laughs> back, uh, there was uh, this radio station uh, that has a music director called, uh, wow, what is his name? I forgot, but this guy, uh, he was the manager of this rock band, alternative rock band called Pass Band. Oh, his name is Samuel Marudut. His name is Samuel Marudut, and he just uh, he, he's into the music industry, and he shop. He tried to shop the Pass Band to every major labels, and they're not interested. So he got connection with the uh, distribution place, and he found out that you can actually. Uh, release your uh release tapes on your own if you have uh if you have the money you know and when he asked to the tape company he said yeah you can the minimum is probably like only like at the time was the minimum was like uh 3000 tapes or 5000 tapes so yeah he he copied uh Passband first first uh mini album into that and it was a hit first in Bandung because at the time there was no music uh, like past band. It was like a, a mix between uh, Faith No More, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So there's a funk feeling mm -hmm. in it, but still like rock. So yeah, that was the first time. Uh, a DIY independent band first came out and and past band drummer uh, his name is Richard is like a famous skater in Bandung and we are friends with him because uh, at the time we were all skaters but not really me because I used to skate but out of 10 10 hours of uh, skating 9 hours I hang out and listen to music with my friends, <laughs> yes. you know. So I never, I never, I've, I've never been a good skater. <laughs> and yeah, Richard, the drummer, uh, uh, we we used to hang out in Richard's place, and he has a cool place uh, back in. So there's a rehearsal studio at his house, and also he started with uh, our future uh, manager called uh, named Helvi, uh, a merchandise shop it's usually like more imported stuff and imported cds at the time cds are getting more popular in indonesia so we have more reference from them so we just buy well what is this i mean i got my first uh his hero is gone cd from there you know it's like oh, that's what, awesome. what the fuck is this yeah what the fuck is this it's like grindcore but it's not it's hardcore but it's more fast something like that yeah yeah that's wild that they're bringing that in too. Like that they have that kind of ear to pick up stuff from like 
you know, like once again, that's a fairly obscure kind of international band. I guess they had press in in Max Rock and Roll at that time, but still, it's like fairly obscure. At the, at the time, we have uh, at the time the the shop is called Reverse, and Reverse got their catalog from Mordem, mm-hmm. Mordem Records uh, in the nineties. Okay, so that is probably more like in ninety three ish. But way before that, in like in the '87, we got our reference uh, music from. You know, sometimes you have parents or relatives that travel outside Indonesia, and then we just wrote like whatever Metal Maniacs magazine have. <laughs> I want this. I want. I want uh, this band prong. This uh, whatever you know, yeah. and sometimes we got. If we were lucky, we got tapes or CDs. Then, if it if we got it, then it becomes like uh, owned by everyone because uh, okay, can I lend this? Can I lend? Sometimes it it, it never came back. It, it got <laughs> lost in the you know. So yeah, or or just like uh, re-recorded, re-recorded again until sometimes the first time I remember the first time I listened to Napalm Death is Harmony Corruption. And it was from this dub tape. I don't, I don't really know how many times it got dubbed, but it is more like noise music. So at first time, I didn't get it. Then when the vocals uh, came in, I was like, oh, there is vocal in it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Then, then uh, I finally, I got the Harmony Corruption CD from somewhere, and then, hey, it's clear. <laughs> oh, now I can listen to it, you know? So it's like pretty bad dub tapes. Sometimes you you got circled around. So that was in the uh, end of 80s until we finally have uh, uh, a way to record our stuff. And the radio I was talking about run by uh, Samuel Marudut, they often uh, accept demos from new bands. So even even rehearsal demos, they just put it, they just play it on the radio, which is really cool. Yeah. And I remember my band, we, d- we didn't really have a proper recording. We just record our, our rehearsal, our rehearsals. And there is, I think there is one song that got hit, that had become a hit song in that radio. People are starting to request. So uh, that's how we gain attention too. Is that the Not A Pup EP? Uh, yeah, it's before that. Not, not, not a pop EP was released in '95, and I think yeah. this was still like '92, '93. Okay. So we we only have like recordings. Back to the story of uh, Passman and Richard. After they re- uh, successfully released on their own, they got signed by uh, a major uh, label company here called Aquarius Music. So, uh, they record, they have, we don't have a recording studio in, in Bandung at the time, not for underground bands because they don't, there are some rec- small recording studio, but they only accept professional musicians while they see underground musicians is like more because we don't have equipments. They, they see it as more like, uh, you're, you're ruining my equipment. So no, you know? So we have to travel to Jakarta to record uh, the music. So Passman have a contract with this major label 
like let's say they got a the their label paid for them for like uh, 50 shifts and they only used like 15 shifts for their recordings and the rest uh, because uh, Richard is our friend he says why don't we just give it to uh, our friends like my band which is cool so we got Poopin got got some uh, 10 shifts to record our Not A Poop EP and oh. The other one, they, they gave 10 shifts to this uh, indie pop band called Pure Saturday. So yeah, uh, funny thing is, uh, this first three independent uh, bands were named by uh, the letter P. Pass band, <laughs> and Pure Saturday. <laughs> it's coincidence. <laughs> yeah, we recorded and we finished it. I think it, we recorded in 94, and I had to go back and forth. I was in college at the time. Uh, the, uh, the first or the second year, I have to back, go back and forth uh, to recording session. Usually, like the recording sessions starts at seven seven p.m. and ended at twelve p.m. And then I we went went back to Bandung for another four or five hours uh, driving. Uh, and then I have to go to uh, study in college. Then after that, I go back again to Jakarta to record <laughs> stuff. You know, it's, I think it was crazy, but you know, when you're younger, you're you have more strength, power. I mean, like today is, I die, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly like I think once you have kids too, your energy level is just zapped. Like the idea of like doing anything like that. And the thought of like, you know, <laughs> all the stuff you have to do at home too, is just like, oh my gosh, I get tired just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 true. <laughs> Who, so Bandung is like more like the musical kind of scene, right? Like that's where independent music seems to start more than Jakarta from the sounds of it. Yeah, at the time it was like that because uh, when this was starting to happen, I think Jakarta bands are more like uh, cover bands, even the metal, the goth. Uh, the best band is the who is the best at playing something, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, you should see this band because they're really good playing Metallica songs. But yeah. there are like one or two bands that uh, that caught our attention, like there's a uh, Rocks band. They were like between Metallica and Anthrax influence thing. And they were signed by the mayor be before us, so that that's probably our first uh, idol, <laughs> first idol, <laughs> yeah. But other than that, you know, uh, Jakarta guys were like more. A lot of them were like uh, they have rich parents, and they always uh, they always have uh, this original old school t-shirt you know like bands thrash bands t-shirt because yeah because their their families are are uh wealthy and they have uh they go on holiday to outside indonesia while while we don't i remember meeting a, a jakarta guy and i was wearing like a i think a nuclear assault t-shirt i bought from a skate shop and I didn't realize we have a, you know, you know that old school uh, shirts that you don't have. Uh, what do you say? 
Uh, I cannot explain it, but uh, something in here. Uh, well, it's like a, like a seam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like if the, you the, don't have if you don't have seams, it's original imported at the time. Okay. Apparently, my nuclear assault has a seam. <laughs> so he was like, he bullied me, like, ha, bootleg, you know. So I was like, oh. so it's like those kind of attitude at the time. Uh, today I don't I don't really care if it's bootleg or not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's why is that yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And Bandung was, in a way, it's known for people with uh, appreciate appreciation of art and very creative in everything. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to music, uh, probably it's the same. So. It's it's common to have uh, an underground band, a new band uh, coming, and they have their own songs, and they played it. Either no one, nobody knows. So when when Fast Band is doing that, and when my band and uh, Pure Saturday is doing it, and finally we release we release it on our own. It it probably it's inspired people, and at the time. I'm uh, making network with, uh, you know, the underground bands. People keep asking, "Hey, where where did you where did you uh, make tapes? Uh, we want to release it ourselves too." Okay, no, you just go to here, here, and yeah, that's it. And the tape company was, uh, we are really good uh, communication with them, and they're really pleased because for them, there's more clients, right? Either, yeah. Even though they only make like, uh, at the time, the minimum was like uh, 1,000 tapes. It's enough for them. I mean, like the the major music probably like want, wants to uh, copy like uh, 500 tapes, but they uh, they're they're really cool and they yeah yeah no worries uh, we'll 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 print like only like oh a thousand tapes for you it's okay. So yeah, it started from there, and I think bands were starting to uh, release on their own. And my band, Not A Poop EP, we, I think we sold about, in the end, we sold about 10,000 uh, tapes. Wow. So from there, we got more uh, recognized, and the mainstream media, like the High Magazine, started to be interest starting to get uh, interested in Bandung bands since past because past is already in major label and it's all over uh, the music news right and then uh, our friends the indie pop band uh, pure Saturday uh, they first they released on their own and then because their music is more uh, people can listen to it they got uh, signed by this uh, this another major label, a uh, local major label here, and they re-released the, their first album. At the time, uh, I think that Pupin major labels tried to approach us, but at the time we we don't really know the term like DIY stuff. You know, it's like it's like oh, this is how it goes. So. 
but we uh, they offer us like contracts and none of it was that interesting so we never take it and it just we just let's go release it on our own you know yeah so and then it's like around it must be around that time that Tiananmen 89 uh that compilation comes out right 97 the compilation yes it's out? uh Tiananmen came come out in 96 97 but i think 97 because i remember uh richard and uh, our manager at the time healthy was already probably because they order from more dam or something then i don't know how they get uh in contact so luke has uh from tiananmen got in contact with richard and he said that he's going to travel to indonesia because he has a mission in somewhere so if you don't know is lucas is uh he's uh he's working for the red cross international so he's like stationed sometimes in i think at the time he was stationed in afghanistan because the because of the war and then he just uh, sometimes he traveled to southeast asia and he went to malaysia he went to he, he went basically he he went everywhere <laughs> and he went to indonesia and when he came we just Oh, uh, Richard Mastel, there's a guy from Maximum Rock and Roll is uh, coming to check us out. And we don't know about Maximum Rock and Roll. So at the time, the first time we know Maximum Rock and Roll was from Luke Haas in uh, this uh, 1996 edition of Maximum Rock and Roll. I, I'm not sure what, which one, but I remember he gave me one and there's... I think there's a review and there's a an ad or something I forgot about Los Crudos, which caught my my uh, hey, this band looks cool, you know, like the picture <laughs> and everything in the review. So, and they they speak in Spanish. At the time, I was I was a bit obsessed with uh, Spanish because I've I think I've seen too much of Blood In and Blood Out, <laughs> you know, like the Cholo. Chicano gangster thing, and yeah. it's obvious. I'm oh, in fact, it's Los Crudos. Wow, they must be gangsters, man. You know, <laughs> probably they look like suicidal tendencies type. You know, <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time uh, in '96. That is the first time uh, I read about uh, a lot of punk bands, and but that is just me. I think I know uh, uh, today. I know some people that already in Jakarta that already uh, have already read Maximum Rock and Roll and, and Punk Zines way longer before me. Mm. But the thing is with Maximum Rock and Roll, it's pretty much inspired me uh, to do something. So I, Luke, Luke wrote an Indonesian scene report uh, for, for us and at the time, uh, the punks were not, they, sometimes they don't have emails, you know, mm -hmm. so they have only like addresses, but I have email and I have a, at the time I have a PO box and yes, some people are writing to me and yeah, at, uh, then I started to tape trade. Tape trading is, uh, is actually a bit new for me internationally 
But before that, I'm used to uh, writing, like sending bands. If you have a PO box, I might have sent you a letter. I wrote to uh, Prong. I actually am a member of their fan club for some years. <laughs> and I wrote to uh, Sick of It All. I wrote to Overkill, I think. I even wrote to Rat because they have a PO box. So, yeah. So it's uh, not new, but but for tape trading, it is pretty new for me and it is, was exciting. I mean, like coming from Indonesia, probably people will think that Indonesia is that far away. Is that, isn't that a poor country? Well, at the time, it was, it was like Brazil at the time, like more like a third world country at the time. But yeah, they, they just sent us stuff. They just sent us uh, records. They just sent us tapes, CDs, or sometimes shirts. Just like, hey, this is my band. Uh, you listen, this is a shirt of my band. I don't know your size, but so they sometimes they send me an S or they send me an extra large because they don't know my size. So just okay. Uh, Do you get yeah. any cool any cool bands that way? Do you find out about anything neat from people just sending you stuff like that? I think the first uh, one what was uh, sick of it all. Actually, I I got in touch with uh, Pete, the guitarist. Yeah, and he gave me uh, a num uh, phone number. Like, hey, if if you want to uh, invite sick of it all in your country, you just contact this guy. Uh, number and when I saw the number and the name I think it was at the time it was uh, one agnostic front guitarist uh, I forgot the name was it Steve Martin probably he, yeah he, yeah yeah it might be Steve Martin I know it's wild he actually is uh, runs nasty little man um, where Beastie Boys hello nasty comes from um, but he uh, he's like Metallica's PR guy now oh really yeah, oh, probably. Yeah, like, yeah, probably him. He's he's in the industry, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And he played in the FUs too, and Straw Dogs before that. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that's him, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's so I, wild. I, that's I still, awesome. I, I still have the letter. Uh, I still have. I keep. I keep all the letters from everyone. So yeah, I think uh, Pete sent me a. Pete sent me a shirt, and. He writes something, and he, did, what did what else did he send? Stickers, I think. But that's like, it's that was like uh, when the uh, you know like wow, this guy I don't know this guy, but he's he's really nice. He sent me stuff, and he's like you know it's like a like you know sometimes like a friend, mm -hmm. not really like a, acting like a rock star or something. So that. And then, finally, I'm influenced, influenced by the Lucas scene reports or Maximum Rock and Roll scene reports. I think that maybe I should write a scene reports and send it to to every fanzine that that's you know that have ads in uh, Maximum Rock and Roll. So I just made a short scene report of Bandung scene at the time. And send it to I send it uh, I send it to Maximum Rock and Roll I send it to Profane Existence I send it to Heart Attack uh, Magazine uh, Punk Planet and yeah some some zine published my scene report and I got more contacts from 
more sensors around the world. So, yeah, that that was between uh, 95 to probably 99. I was really active in that. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun time because to think about it again, that people that I used to wrote like 20 years, 25 years ago, now, uh, now I'm 48 years old and I'm, uh, this last past like 10, 15 years, I've been able to travel with my band or on my own to see music festivals. And sometimes I met them, you know? So yeah. it's like a long time pen pal that you finally, you finally meet them, you know? That's yeah. the best thing. That's the best thing about this music is the fact that like you have, once you get into it and, and especially if you're able to travel, but like, even just through writing, you have friends all over the world. Like there's yeah, like, yeah. You know, like I, I, I could have gone and stayed with people in Australia or I could have gone and stayed with people Who? in Japan. Like I just, I had friends in other countries in, in a way that I can't think of too many other scenes where you have that sort of international connection with people. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Uh, that, this compilation, by the way, is unbelievable. Bandung, this, every band on this comp is a ripper. The Tiananmen 89 compilation. Like it's, it's. It's awesome, like how great the scene was. And I guess this would have been sort of the, the punk world's first exposure to what was happening in Indonesia at the time, right? Like, I don't think there's any other international representation prior to this. It's also, I think it's also the first uh, vinyl record for underground bands here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like uh, a couple of days ago, me and my, a friend, we trying to track every records after this release, you know? So it was fun and some records that, oh, yeah, this one, I don't have it. So I try to find it on Discogs and I get it, you know? So, oh, I, order, I don't have this. It's funny because I have to get uh, a local band release, but I got it in from France. <laughs> you know? And this, that, that compilation, do you know that it's really expensive here in Indonesia? It it costs you a minimum like two hundred fifty US dollar now. Wow. Well, it makes sense because it's like the birth of you know everything. Like this is like yeah, from my yeah. understanding of it is like the Ramones record crossed with the first Bad Brain seven inch crossed with the first Black Flag record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are only like nine bands in it because it's a seven inch, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think Luke has. Uh, actually brought home like 40 tapes from here and wow. I, probably it's a hard time uh you know like choosing which bands which so when this compilation comes out like were, i guess were there international bands coming prior to like who was the first sort of international you know punk band that you remember playing in indonesia international punk band like even like even were bands coming from Singapore prior to or anything? Not really. Uh, what is the f I don't I funny I don't really remember the first punk band coming here. First band I remember going um, maybe your mother or but certainly Rambo. I'm pretty sure Rambo played in Rambo Asia played in Indonesia, but uh, what what year was that? Ninety nine, two thousand. 
In 2001, maybe? Probably, yeah, 2002. Uh, so I was in Bandung, but I moved to Jakarta in 2002, and I saw Rambo in Bandung after I worked in Jakarta, so it must be after 2002-ish. Okay. Yeah, um, Ram- but Rambo wasn't, wasn't the first bet. Oh, how can I forget? In 2001, uh, a guy, because my connection with the scene in the Maximum Rock and Roll thing, uh, Derek from Himsa, Seattle, this uh, hardcore band, hardcore metal band from Seattle, contacted yeah. me and they, they, he said that he wanted to play in Indonesia. This was in, I think it was 2001. And so, yeah, I just go, I'm not actually a promoter, but I'm just helping out. So the organizing was, they, they have to uh, travel to Jakarta first. And I just told them by email that you take train to uh, Bandung, you know. And, but I forgot to say what time. So I don't know what time to pick them up, you know, in the yeah. train station. Yeah. And I just, I just think, I don't know what time. How, how can I contact them? Because at the time, uh, cell phones aren't, aren't popular, right? It's only like yeah. rich people have cell phones. So I just went to the station like at, uh, because we already uh, prepared the show. So the show starts at, it's like a, uh, the show is only from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. So, and Himsa is supposed to play like 5 p.m. And I don't know when, when are they coming. They only have uh, my, my phone number and my phone number, it was a home phone number. So I just waited at home while my friends are in the place where they prepare the show. And I just, I can't wait any longer. I just went to the train station. But funny thing is when I just uh, wait, probably like uh, 2 or 3 o'clock p.m., 3 p.m., just trying my luck. I came, I wait, and there's like this poor white guy like with guitar says, this must be the band <laughs> because we never see the band. So I stopped them and, uh, are you Himsa, the U.S. band? Yes, we are. Oh, I'm Derek. And Okay, okay, guys, we have to go. Uh, your show is... Uh, it's going on in about uh, an hour. <laughs> it was like what? 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 <laughs> they haven't. They haven't uh, rested. Oh, okay, okay. So I brought them at the venue. They came. It's funny thing was the the show was packed. Uh, the place was packed, and we don't really have a backstage there. So uh, the entrance. If we enter the the door, people were like, "Hey, who's who's coming?" Because. <laughs> so uh, the band, the the band before just finished playing, and they were right in time. Himsa coming, so when Himsa entered the door, everyone was like there, going there, huh? Yay! They were like <laughs> clapping and yeah! and were, the Himsa guys were like, oh, 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 yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. They haven't rest, and they're like suddenly they got cheered. <laughs> yeah, and they so they play. And it was one of the best, uh, best show ever because we never, we never see like, you know, like, wow, finally, uh, a real hardcore band playing in our country, you know? I had no idea they toured like that. Like, that's like, uh, 
like what an adventurous way to kind of tour to like to fly to a place you know pre-cell phones pre you know everyone having a laptop and being able to just you know check on google maps where they're going to just kind of be like okay we're gonna go here okay because i can't imagine they knew any other band that had played there from the sounds of it right and they're here they are just going and 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 doing it like what that's awesome yeah it's like that no fx uh documentary thing (laughs) yeah but no effects is seems like they're doing it with more of a safety net of having you know the cell phones at that point also have you know a crew you know they're not just four guys i think uh, they have guts to do it you know like let's just come i remember one one question that Derek from himsa asked me like uh hey arian uh you know when we were on the train trip from jakarta to indonesia i see a lot of people uh hanging out on the streets like doing nothing so what are they actually doing so i just simply asked her doing nothing <laughs> they are doing nothing they just hang out you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the thing is over here is if you you hang out uh like in the mall or in the on the in the streets, nobody will harass you. Like you know, like the cops will harass you. What what are you doing? Go go go! Shoot, hang out somewhere else. Go home. Over here, they don't. If you want to hang out in the street, yeah, you could do that. You know, and it's yeah, like it's. Uh... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, like, it's, so, it's so, like, interesting because then it seems like were like people there to see them or are people there just because it's an international band coming? Like were people familiar with him records prior to, or like, no, I think at the time, no, nobody have heard Himsa. Even me, I, I never heard of Himsa unless Derek didn't send me, uh, the CD. And yeah. I was surprised too. The CD was in, on revelation records. I think the first yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, nobody has, has heard Himsa before. And uh, also, this was tapes were still uh, popular at the time, and I think Himsa brought uh, some CDs, but no one bought it because no one had CD players. It's not that popular at the time. Yeah, still uh, there are some, but people still release in on tapes. Uh, so so yeah, it was the first time everyone saw. Uh, foreign bands play, especially from the Western Western uh, world, and and yeah, but everyone was going crazy because they don't know the song, but they they love the energy, they love the distortion thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it's because it's like I think the first footage I ever saw of um, a band from from America playing was that the footage of that uh rambo show but then i think it was talking to terror must have been the first time we did Soundwave with them or something i remember and they were talking about how they were going to indonesia afterwards and they're like it will be the craziest show of the year for terror? us like the, yeah 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 so it's uh i don't i don't go to 
a terror show because I don't really listen to terror. But from what I know, it was a it was a huge success because when terror came, people already know about terror. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like uh, they know the the words, they know the music, and everything. So yeah, I think terror came here what once or a couple times. I I don't I don't remember. Maybe there are a few times uh, at least. Yeah, I think. a few times. I think, yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. But I never seen once. <laughs> <laughs> did I? Did, I know you're doing something with Demon System Thirteen. Did they ever come and play? No, 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 they haven't. I actually met uh, Chris One Three Eight in Roadburn Festival. You know, after oh, yeah. uh, we used to write each other. I interviewed him, and uh, yeah, just probably we 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 trade something in the in the nineties. But then we we lost contact. But at the Roadburn Festival, I think this was when Jism uh, played. Yeah, I wish I was there. Oh my gosh, that must have been insane. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but th- there is no flamethrower. So. <laughs> no, they, I think Sakebi is, uh, is a new man. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's not the old Sakebi. <laughs> but that's but like, anyway. uh, do you ever do you ever hear the podcast I did with Jerry A from Poison Idea? No, no, I haven't. On that one, he talks about when they played with uh, Sakevi when he was doing the electronic stuff, and okay. uh, there they brought like an interpreter who's a guy from Seattle, and he got wasted and started talking shit. To Zakevi about how he's not punk anymore, and Zakevi beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I believe that uh, years ago I went to Osaka and uh, I hang out with uh, a heavy, uh, corrupted vocalist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I asked why there's no uh, documentary about Japanese hardcore punk and stuff, but apparently it's uh, more like. Uh, language barrier and also they want to to keep it underground they're really underground stuff so they don't even make a documents of their their own scene you know but i think now they're starting to get more books and uh, like dvds but so because jism is from osaka and i asked uh of course i asked heavy what what was it like to be uh in a time where Jism uh, played. Oh, he's told me like crazy, crazy stuff. And actually, I mean, like, this is Corrupted. The Doom Sludge band that uh, heavy vocals is really scary. Mm-hmm. But when Heavy told the story about Zach Heavy, he looks terrified. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, whoa. He told this and that. And one, uh, uh, once, Jism uh, had had a show in Osaka, and there is a no photos uh, rule at the at at that time. So when Jism played from the crowd, there is a flashlight, and Sakafi just stopped the band playing and asked, "Who the fuck uh, take a picture of us?" Nobody, nobody. Of course, everyone is scared because you know Sakafi. Yeah. yeah. And Sakavi didn't say anything. Okay, nobody uh, there to to confess about that incident. And then, okay, I want uh, this venue doors to be locked and everyone to be searched. That's in the middle of Jism uh, Jism show. So everyone was like, 
come here one by one, open by Sakavi. Okay, you don't have your until he found that guy. You have a camera. Did you take a picture of us from the crowd? Yes, I'm sorry, Sakavi. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And then Sakavi just beat that guy, the shit out of that guy, and then okay, and just throw the camera, and then okay. All good? Okay. Let's continue the show. And then Jason played again. Yeah, there's a... It's the only band that when, like, you talk to someone in... I I found when I bring them up in Japan, people are sometimes like, no, 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 let's not talk about them. Like, don't even... Don't even bring it up. Let's just... (laughs) No stories. You're not going to get any stories from me about that band. And, And Tetsuarai is another band that people seem genuinely afraid of. Tetsuarai, like... Yeah, like it apparently, I forget the singer's name, um, but his brother is the professional wrestler Kojima. And uh, Kojima said that his brother's tougher than him. I read an interview with Kojima and he's like, yeah, my brother's tougher than me. My brother's, and I've heard stories about him like legit suplexing people while they're playing a set, like grabbing a kid out of the crowd and throwing a suplex on the kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I don't think that will happen. Uh, nowadays, you got canceled, probably. Yeah, via, <laughs> it's a different world. I don't know if... Uh, mind you, there's there's definitely some bands in Japan, not naming names, that I, I certainly... Uh, you know, you hear stories about where it's like, wow, I guess... Yeah, that's still... like There's definitely hardcore bands in Japan that are, are still uh, intimidating as hell. I'm pretty obsessed with uh, a lot of Japanese hardcore and metal bands. Uh, yeah. Well, when, when, did that, when did the connection with other countries start happening was it after the scene reports that you're writing start coming out like yeah uh, i think so yeah uh, i mean like uh today i'm in one of my best friends is in uh, singapore and uh we all we often like uh still communicate with each other we visit each other and it was from that connection uh I, a friend got uh, Singaporean zine called, called Primary Concern and I think and then inside was more like 90s power violence and hardcore bands which I'm interested so I just wrote him and the next thing too that uh, being a punk is uh, his name is Faisal and he said hey Arian uh, I think uh, my mother is uh, going on a holiday into to Indonesia and I'm coming with her but she will be staying with other relatives. Can I stay with you? We never meet each other before. So, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Then I think this was in 98, 99. Then suddenly he came. Then, yeah, he stayed with uh, with me for like two weeks. You know? <laughs> At the time, I never think about, hey, when are you leaving? You know? <laughs> I never think about that. Like, hey, cool. I have a... I have a friend that is not Indonesian, you know. An international yeah. roommate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, international roommate. And then, yeah, we become uh, best friends. Then I got uh, contact with uh, people from uh, Malaysia, uh, Philippines. Uh, for some reason, I never, I never have contact with people in Thailand or Vietnam. I think I got uh, contact from Vietnam, but it was actually uh, an American staying in Vietnam or something. He's playing like this uh, punk rock, but more electronic stuff. Yeah, I feel bad now because 
at the time I wasn't I wasn't into his music, so I don't really communicate with him. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting yeah. you say that about Thailand because like. I'm, uh, like I went there years ago and I just recently interviewed Allison from Bratmobile who uh, lived there for a couple of years for a year. Okay. And I, when I was there, I looked everywhere trying to find punk, you know, any sort of scene semblance of a scene stuff or anything like, you know, shows or anything. And I asked her and she said, yeah, like I didn't really back then in the nineties, didn't really see much of a scene, but then there's a, there's, I've actually got it right here. There is a Tiananmen, uh, compilation of Thai punk bands from then. So there must have been a scene, but it just feels like it, it was must have been super underground. Okay. Where, were you in Bangkok? Yeah, I was in, I went to Bangkok and oh, I wish I could remember. It was so long ago now. I'm sorry. I'm blanking now. And, and the, the, the cannabis and concussions I doesn't understand. help. I yeah. understand. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like it was, um, but you know, any, anywhere I went, I would like go up to young people and just punk, like punk bands, punk music, yeah. hardcore, and never really found anything looking, you know, around markets for releases and stuff. But you know, here it is, there is, there was a scene, but it's, it's interesting where it took. And like you said, like it came to some places later than other places because of access to it. But then where it kind of takes off and flourishes, like obviously what happens with, we well, were talking from the very beginning, like three to 4,000 people coming out for DIY shows, like <laughs> that, that's posi numbers. That's, those are huge hardcore festival numbers in America yeah, at the it, time. Yeah. We don't, we don't have that, uh, small places at the time, but I think after like, after, in, uh, like 2000 ish, Bands, uh, hardcore, uh, mostly like punk bands, starting to get uh, studio gigs. So they they rent uh, a big, a bit of big uh, rehearsal space, and they have like five bands, and they sell like tickets or just invite people to come in. Like probably like ten to twenty people in the studio. So it's called studio gig, and it is popping up everywhere from in Bandung, in Jakarta, in Yogyakarta, everywhere in Indonesia. So that, that was uh, an alternative to, to do uh, music shows, DIY music shows. Would Poopin have been able to play a studio gig? Because you guys, you know, having sold 10,000 tapes, you would have been, I imagine, pretty popular. Yeah, we, yeah, we have to, uh, that, it's only uh, like a secret gig, I think. Because if there's uh, too many people, then the cops will will come, you know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, with Poopin, I never I never played studio gig because at the time we were already playing like uh, more bigger festivals and we were uh, the mainstream uh, music starts to acknowledge uh, Poopin and start. We we were playing with a lot of big rock bands at the time, but. We, when Poopin uh, disbanded in 2002 because I moved to Jakarta from Bandung, I started another band called Seringai, which is I'm uh, still in it now. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, we played everywhere, uh, like you know, like uh, not really studio gigs, but more like uh, at this at this time, there's uh, already bars that start to have mu uh, live music and we played there like small a lot of small shows until we are again well well known and getting bigger and bigger 
but like, yeah did you or did you already have a following uh where syringe forms because of poopin like yeah so it was like yeah, yeah it was, i imagine that would have been like you know like yeah, you know, like syringe uh, a new band vocalist from poopin something like that yeah yeah, like I don't think it's an overstatement to say it's almost like a a, a minor threat Already. Fugazi situation, you know? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but also uh, there's at the beginning because Seringai is I think Seringai is at the time was unique too because we are we are more in between like we are not in metal uh, term we are not uh, that extreme. But we are also more, we are also more heavy than other rock band, you know. And we have like a hardcore punk influence in it. We have Black Flag. We have uh, everything like that. What influenced us in the '90s? So when Swing A came out, people, a lot of people were confused, <laughs> you know. But then they got. I think now they got. They they know. Uh, oh, this is the Seringai sound. Yeah, I think I think it caught on. I think judging by the videos I've watched, that it, you know, <laughs> you found you found an audience for the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like I to me it sounds like hardcore. Like Seringai, like to me as a hardcore band. Like, do you consider it just like a hardcore band? Like not just a hardcore band to minimize it, but like I think that is. Uh... We have uh, two feet in the hardcore and the metal, metal sound, metal scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because we don't play. I mean, like I'm really, I really love death metal, old school death metal sound bands. And but sometimes we put it a bit in Seringai music, but not too much. So maybe the yeah, that's why Seringai is not that extreme or change. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe one day, <laughs> but yeah, but we have a uh, hardcore roots for sure. Yeah. It's I mean, awesome. My, my guitarist is really loves bad brains. He loves, uh, what, uh, of it all. And he also like, uh, alternative rock at the time, like smashing pumpkins, old smashing pumpkins and that's atomic dustbin those those kind of bands it's funny because ned's atomic dustbin is a band that i always associate with alternative music indie music and then only like recently did i start realizing that they were playing with like all the punk bands in england and they were kind of like came out of that punk scene in england too oh okay didn't know that yeah yeah yeah. i mean the uk scene is more diverse you think don't you think it's it's interesting like i don't know like i'm i'm that's why i love looking at all these different things because i think there's you know, I think that it's it's interesting now talking to some of these younger bands that are coming out of the UK because the UK's got such a cool, vibrant scene, but there doesn't feel like there's any sort of connection to any of that sort of '90s UK stuff that I loved. So it's oh. it's I don't know it's 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 weird. Like uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's I love that UK stuff, all of it, the whole way through. And yeah, I find it diverse. But I find, I know you're right because there would have been shows that would have had Mega City Four and like maybe not napalm death, but, a but an earache style band on the same bill. And it would have made sense at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you have, uh, Oh, I mean like, uh, 
bands, t-shirts, you know, like t-shirts like Max Cavalera or people in Napalm Death really uh, have an impact on us too. Mm-hmm. You know, what's in like in magazine like Metal Maniacs or Rip or other. You know, sometimes you see Max Cavalera wearing like a Sick of It All t-shirt. And we were, we were into thrash metal at that time and we were like, hey, look, Max wearing a Sick of It All t-shirt. Wow, that is cool. He's open-minded, you know? Yeah. So we, at the time, we, weren't, uh, we, we don't feel guilty wearing other bands' t-shirt that, it, that is not metal. I mean, like uh, Mitch Harris from Napalm Death, uh, in, his, in Utopia Banish, he, he wears like a curved t-shirt, which is yeah. more like an indie alternative rock band. It was like, oh my God. Mitch is so open-minded, you know. So we were like, "Yeah, I think that's okay." We we listen to extreme music and also listen to other things music, and then we start to blend things. I mean, like uh, people don't know, but but in some of Sergei songs, we steal uh, we steal a beat or two from Slow Dive, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it's funny because like all the people you mentioned there, like Rachel from Slow Dive was on the podcast, or or Barney from Napalm Death has been on. Max is someone I've just punished at at Soundwave actually, but like all these people are from punk, you know, and all these people kind of connect back to punk and hardcore. Like it's it's fascinating how it's like sort of this common DNA that's international, you know, like where all these yeah. interesting people are like all drawn to this thing. Yeah, maybe because it's the youth, I guess. Probably because punk is like, punk uh, is like, yeah, well, you can do it yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah and you, you, don't, it- you don't need, you don't have to be like very skilled to play this punk music and you can say whatever you want, you know? I mean, like, you have, you have bands like Crass, you have bands like uh, Rudimentary Penny, but also you have bands like Gigi Allen. You know, it's like, yes. oh, so diverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it, it definitely, and like you said in the beginning, right, when you heard the Sex Pistols, like, John Lydon is actively a bad, quote-unquote, bad singer, but it sounds awesome. So anyone can do this, you know? Like, that's the, the permission for all of us to, like, go out there and form a band. Yeah, and, and uglier, too. I mean, yeah, your role model <laughs> is John Rotten, and... You don't have the quality as Johnny Rotten, then you go uglier. <laughs> yeah, Gigi Allen. There's a Gigi Allen uglier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was the who's the Gigi Allen of the Ben Dung scene? Like, was there anyone? Oh. That was... No, n- nobody will dare that. No. <laughs> because probably too. Uh, in a way, in Indonesia is uh, is a religious country, so there are things that. Uh, a lot of things are forbidden too, but mm. because of that upbringing, so people are not going as extreme as Gigi Allen. <laughs> I remember that only like this Jakarta band called Waiting Room, they were playing more like a ska punk band and and their vocalist always uh, getting naked on stage. Uh, that is the far as I can remember the far from what I can remember. But a naked ska band's pretty extreme. Like that might be more extreme than Gigi Allen for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But what else? The G Allen of No. We have a lot of uh like a, a drunken guy, yeah, it's it's pretty common, like drunken guy. Drunken guys a lot. Because there's that Vice documentary, like you bring up the the fact that the, the, it's a religious country. There's that Vice documentary that came out, I guess, eight or nine years ago about all the kids getting busted. And obviously it's a massive country. And so I'm, I imagine that's worlds away from Bendung and Jakarta where this is happening. But is there any sort of like, is there any sort of issues with government and police in terms of like, you know, I guess there is everywhere, but like in terms of being a punk band or especially early on? Uh, yeah, some, well, actually not only punk bands, but some rock bands, uh, is banned by the, by the pigs because of their lyrics, their political lyrics. Uh, I remember, uh, even, uh, Seringai, we got, we have a t-shirt, uh, based on our song, Lanchana. Lanchana means the badge. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's obviously about the cops. Uh, we criticized them in that song, and we have this T-shirt. It was uh, like a zombie cop wielding a wielding a stick, you know. And we mm-hmm. and apparently uh, some some fans were the cops just pulled them and said, "What are you wearing?" Uh, because it's, it has a cop artwork on on it, the zombie artwork, and they just tripped them down and they. And the fans were like, uh, message us like, hey, man, I just, uh, the cops just stripped me off and take away my, my, my shirt because of, of that, that specific shirt and song. And sometimes they, they, they told us with like, uh, they were proud of it. <laughs> yeah, man, my shirt is offensive for them, you know? <laughs> and then we got, after a while, there there is a merchandise shop in Bandung that got raided by the cops because of that shirt, and that shirt were like they taken off of the of the uh, from the shop, and in a way they uh, they uh, called the band to know you know to go what's up. So we traveled from Jakarta, uh, from yeah from Jakarta because I was living in Jakarta to Bandung to the cop uh, station, and we got interrogated you know so yeah it's over funny. the shirt over the shirt because wow. uh it's against the law to uh yeah to criticize them or to talk shit about them but funny thing is the design is actually safe we we just drew so i just i just bring everything i needed like my artworks because i draw i draw that that shirt and they they asked us why why do you uh, depict a cop like this? This is like more like horrible, you know, zombie fight cop. Then I told them that, but my artwork is like that. Everything with the zombie fight thing or skull is awesome, like this. So I I showed them uh, uh, all of my artwork, and it's about it's something I uh, merchandise, and this is okay. And on the back, we have uh, words like uh, to serve and protect, but who? And they were asking me about that. What do you mean with this, uh, with this design? Uh, I told them that I'm just asking. 
who? Pro to serve and protect who? I'm asking to who, they ask. Everyone, to you, to myself, to the public. So, I mean, like, apparently we don't, uh, fortunately, we don't, we don't write uh, fuck the cops or uh, pigs or something like that. So, it's a pretty safe design. Yeah. But in a way, too, it is offensive to them. So we got away with that, with uh, with that, and um, yeah, uh, and it was like a, a 2004 song. We wrote that in 2003, 2004, and still relates with us until this day. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's, it's something international too, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. That that song plays in, sadly, every country. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's so, but the cops so, here are really corrupt. Well, yeah, I was going to say like it seems like what you have to deal with, you know, like sort of MDC. I hear MDC. It was pretty rough for them to tour, but like for the most part, you know, punk bands don't have to worry about that, and especially because I guess as the band gets bigger, things like this become more of an issue because now you're more on everyone's radar. Yeah. Like it's one thing when yeah, no one cares and you say it. It's another thing when, you know, it's 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 a it's a, a popular band saying it. Uh yes, but actually it's an old song, so let's just say that that song is it from for our first EP, but the song is more popular with the t shirt than the song. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Because people will um, uh, more recognize our other songs, you know, yeah. after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does I mean we have like, we have uh, I got some cops like coming to me and then they hey man I really like uh, Swingai man I saw you uh, at this place I saw you at that place and all the time the cop was talking I was always thinking what does he know about that. Lanzana song, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird it's a weird situation to be in when it's someone you like actively disagreeing with telling you they like your art, you know, and you're like, wait, like you know what I'm saying, right? Like you know this is about you. Like that's why I wrote this. <laughs> right. But uh today too, there's like you know, uh, it's not only to Suringai, but I a lot of band probably especially like this past like five, ten years, like uh, I don't, you know, like when internationally, like when Trump era coming, it's like people are disagreeing with bands. It's, it was like, why you disagree? Don't you ever read the lyrics? That's what it's all about, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's or been like this the are, whole time. <laughs> Stop talking, just play your music. But the music is like, like Napalm Death uh, lyrics. Like, hey, <laughs> did you, did you never, did you never read the lyrics or what? Did, has it kind of spread there? Cause like, it feels like this Trump era has kind of swept everywhere. You know, like we have yeah. everything, every country is kind of Especially faced. in Indonesia, because when, uh, when, when Trump and Obama thingy, uh, their tech, Trump tactics is copied by uh, by 
over here is presidential campaign. The other when Jokowi and Prabowo thing. If uh, Jokowi is uh, the elected president at the time and uh, uh, his uh, his other guys Prabowo and they use their that tactic too, you know, not not really like Trump, but then we got polarized and like divided into two. I mean, like especially in Facebook, you know, like mm -hmm. I know a lot of friends that I used to, I know them then suddenly like, oh, apparently you're a racist. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, oh shit, <laughs> I didn't know. It's, it's yeah. it, but that you're right. Like it is something that was so globally universal, it seems, you know, and it, it's weird. It's weird to see it happen in the punk scene, you know, like people that I was like, oh, it's really weird, especially now. And after, uh, after COVID too, you know, yeah. there's like, you know, like this guy, like John Joseph, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I used to follow him. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, it's like, I watched this, my friend, uh, Chris Estrada sent me this documentary about skinheads in Malaysia. I don't know if you've seen this thing. Um, the fader, I think put it out a couple years ago. Um, okay. and it was amazing to watch because it was the exact same sort of skinhead thing that you see play out in every country that has skinheads where there's three groups of skinheads. There's anti-fascist skinheads. There are the Nazi skinheads. And then there are the fence sitter skinheads who are pretty much Nazi skinheads. Like it's, there's no, you know, like if you're going to hang out with Nazis, you're kind of, you're kind of going to be a Nazi. Oh uh, yeah. 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 It's sadly like anytime someone says like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not left or right. Most of the time they wind up being pretty right. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Well, yeah, I haven't seen the the documentary about the Malaysian skinheads, but I read. I'll uh, send it to you. You got to see it. I think you'll you'll dig right. it. It's yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of books, and my friends in Malaysia always talk about it. Like, uh, yeah, we we do have like uh, skinheads here. They're against uh, Indians. They're against Chinese. They were like uh, what when something called brown power or Malay power, something something like that. I think that's the thing. Malay power. I think is what they say Malay in the documentary. Power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just that's pretty absurd. We do have uh, some some skinheads like that here, but apparently the 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 anti anti Nazi thing, the Afra thing, is much stronger here, so they just easily crush. Yeah, it's, that's the weird thing in seeing the documentary um, about the the skinheads in Malaysia. Just it seems like there's a huge right at least the way this documentary portrays it like a huge right-wing skinhead scene there probably uh because malaysia too is a religious country so it tends more to be conservative probably mm -hmm. and i know there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of uh indonesian workers there too immigrants so maybe that yeah it's once again it's like so fascinating where you know, that's another thing that seems to pop up everywhere. There's a punk scene is there sort of like far right skinhead thing. And it's, 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 you know, cause you can, once again, you can trace it to the origins of where it starts and it's bizarre how it spreads kind of with punk. Like it's almost like this, like little disease that comes with all the great DIY culture stuff. Yeah. 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 And after, after Trump thing that everyone, Come, came out from the closet too 
you know? Yeah. Like, oh, finally, I can say this, I can say that. And what are they saying is more like fascist thing, racist thing. Yeah, it's crazy. So are you, like, is, like, I know you tour to, like, Singapore. I know you've said you've, like, toured around. Like, how much international touring are you ever are you able to in Serengay? Oh, not not much actually for Serengay. We only played uh, Singapore, Malaysia, and Japan. That's the farthest. But there are a lot of bands that played. Uh, I mean, like uh, our friends in metal band Burger Kill. They they played in Europe, and also, uh, have you have you heard about Senyawa? No. Senyawa is more like a experimental band. They. The vocals uh, are more like you know Mike Patton-ish. Uh, uh, do you know Ruins? Yes, from Japan. From Japan. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Yawa it has a lot of influence from there, and the other player they are like a duo. The the one is the vocals where he handles uh, the vocals are more like an instrument instrument, and the other is uh is uh, like uh, he made him he made the instrument him, himself from bamboo. It's oh, really interesting. Awesome. I'll send you the list. Yeah. Yeah. And they they have a collaboration with Stefan O'Malley from Sun. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And they toured. They have. Uh, they're under uh, a European. I think they're under a European management or something. You know, like international. So they played a lot in Europe as well, like touring like for a month. It's I I I hope I get to play with you or see you sometime. Like I hope you guys get yeah. come over here. It was so sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, last night I just I just you you fucked up has a lot of releases. I try to I try to follow, but sometimes you can't. You know. So <laughs> last night I just found out that you have a LP called Zanzibar. Yeah, the, it's all instrumental. Do you want one? I can send you one. I already bought it. <laughs> this guy was like, oh. <laughs> I don't have this. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear about this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we um, they got uh, a, a film festival here. Approached them about doing the score for this film Zanzibar. I see. And I just had a kid, so I was like, "Oh, why don't you guys do it as an instrumental thing?" <laughs> because, and they did it as an all instrumental thing, and it was, uh, yeah, like it, it. It was amazing. I got to watch them perform it live in the crowd, and and. Uh, and yeah, they're much more talented than me, you know, as a, as a lead singer, you know, that we are, we carry the ego burden. They carry the talent burden, but we, we have to carry the ego. Cool, <laughs> <All right. laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the most uh, records from a band is that I have is, uh, from fucked up from you and also Sal. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, anything you need, like I would be, and also I'd like, like very happily trade you for uh, your own records and other bands from Indonesia. Yeah, like, yeah, let's do it. Because it is definitely like, as I like, I feel, I feel like it, you know, punk and and hardcore even more maybe sometimes or less sometimes. Like, you know, there's like such a obsession with with Japanese punk or with British punk or with American punk or Canadian punk or even Australian punk, but there's like, there's a real lack of understanding of how amazing and global this is. Like it, it's in every country and stuff that's happening in Indonesia is, is 
like unbelievable and like has been unbelievable yeah. since like 97 when i got like this compilation like it's awesome how ripping like every band and maybe it was just the bang dung scene back then but like every band on this comp slays yeah yeah i mean that now uh, at first it was bandung but now you have internet and everything so it's easier to get uh access it's easier to get access to the internet and it, it's easier to uh got uh reference now nowadays so i think that sometimes you suddenly you got uh you got a demo from uh this shoegaze band but from a really small city in java it was like wow it's usually like you know shoegaze at the time was more like a big city thing you know because yeah. but now you have like a lot of places uh small small towns like oh, oh this sounds really good wow they have now their reference is like there's no boundaries are there are there places like some of the more conservative provinces um yeah are there places that you can't tour or places that it's kind of harder to tour yeah there's a there's a place called Aceh and I think we 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 have a couple uh offer from there but then the the promoter uh got back to us and I'm sorry you can, you guys can play because uh because you don't your lyrics or your your image is not really uh islamic to to the government there so yeah Aceh is re- uh it's pretty much the most religious uh continent in Indonesia I think and some places but but there's actually there's some places but there's not really ha- they don't really have a music scene there so we don't really got offer from there but we got uh we played uh in Indonesia around a lot from Sumatra, Sulawesi, uh, Java, Bali, Lombok, Kalimantan, Borneo. You know, like touring there is like if you tour Europe, you go, you go like two hours, then you're already uh, in Europe. You're already in another country, but over here you're in uh, other continent. Yeah, yeah, completely different continent at yeah. that point. It's uh, and I imagine touring because like uh, there's a lot of islands. It's you know like flying would be the main way to do it. You can't really drive, do a driving tour. Oh, uh, where? Oh, in, in here? Indonesia, yeah. Uh, if you tour from uh tour Java Bali, you can do it by uh driving. But I think if you wanted to go to Sulawesi, you still you can still drive to to Sumatra, but. Usually, uh, in Sumatra, between cities is very far, probably like in Australia. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Sulawesi, it will be a bit harder if you drive because from each city, it is like mountains and going up, down, and there are not really, they don't have uh, highways yet. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So mostly we, we have, uh, flights to to the bigger cities have you played in the southeast asia i don't think so right no we did we only thing we've ever really done is we did, we were supposed to do like a little bit more of an extensive tour one time and there was a bunch of countries on it and maybe indonesia was i know singapore definitely was but um uh at the last second it kind of fell apart and we only ended up doing 
uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong uh, after doing Australia. Um, oh, and then we, okay. we toured China one time as well, but like, you know, like that's really the extent of it. And as I say, like I've always watched videos of, you know, yourselves or, or international bands going and playing these shows where it's just like, damn, that's awesome. <laughs> that's such a cool vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I got to say. Maybe this, someday if you toured, I don't know, no, if you toured Japan or you toured uh, Australia. Uh, I don't really uh, organize shows, but I can, uh, you know, uh, give you contacts or, or oh, this you, you, you probably can contact this dude, this guy, this guy. Yeah, like if, uh, definitely. If we ever get invited back, um, you know, if we, I don't know, it's funny with fucked up. It's like uh, at this point, you know, it's kind of like we get stuck in the same touring cycles and uh, oh, really, okay. it happens to every band, right? And probably because are you, are you uh, in some kind of bookings, international bookings? We do. We're booked out of the UK. Oh, okay. So probably they, their circle is, is the same. That's why you, you have the same circle probably. Yeah. yeah. Like we, and it's funny because like, I guess we haven't been invited back to Japan in, in a really long time. And, we did Australia just before the pandemic, but I think we were kind of like burnt out. So the idea of like trying to do any more touring after it was kind of like out of the question, but you know, post pandemic, like being back touring. Oh my gosh. If I ever given the opportunity again, you better believe I'm going to be doing it. Yeah, I mean like those, like those three years are just like oof, missing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And it made me, it made me appreciate all of it so much more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, not being I, able to... Uh, I remember playing our first show after the pandemic. It was like... It was like the... the it was like there's no three years. You know, it's like, we are really happy to do it. And finally on stage... I mean, uh, in COVID era, we got offered by... To play, like, a live streaming thing. But we don't really enjoy that. So we just turned turn it down because like uh, for some songs we made uh, uh, music videos but live streaming is almost like music videos too <laughs> so eh, it we don't not interested but some bands are into it so I'm the same way era, it's a lot of live streaming bands doing it yeah I'm the same way I would not uh, we we couldn't do it like I just looked at it and was like ah, I can't I couldn't imagine trying to perform like that oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it, feel, it feel too weird you know like just singing into the void like that and like yeah yeah you know it's uh there's interaction and yeah. yeah yeah um well this has been an unbelievable interaction and anytime you want to come back on this show and talk about indonesian hardcore international hardcore whatever you know the door is always open all right thank you damien Thank you, Arian, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Arian will be back for a part two at some point in the future to talk about more stuff. And I can learn, I can learn more stuff. This was, this is why I do this. Oh my gosh. This is one of my favorite episodes I've ever gotten to do on this podcast. Whew. Speaking of favorites coming up on the next episode, it, it's, it's two all time favorites coming back to the podcast to have one heck of a great conversation. Uh, from the brand new book, How Much Art Can You Take? 
which is released now on Radio Rahim Records, Al Burrell and Nancy Burrell are returning to the show. Uh, they, of course, worked hard to put out an incredible book, an unbelievable book about the history of SSD, a, bland, a band that Al played uh, guitar in and, and kind of led. You'll, you'll hear. Anyway, if you don't know, check out Al's first episode. Check out Nancy's first episode. Check out Nancy's book as well, I'm Not Holding Your Coat, a fantastic book as well. And uh, get ready to dig into this one. This is a this is a wild episode. This is a great episode. Keep rolling out the hits here at Turn Out a Punk, and I thank you all for listening each time we do. Well, that's it for me. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives and issues faced by Indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights and and keep make sure that these assholes that want to take away people's reproductive choices are stopped because we're not talking about political stuff here. This is just basic human rights stuff. There's lots of politics that can be talked about and there's, there's worthy issues in politics, certainly that are very important, but this is just human rights. People deserve to be able to live free from hate and violence and discrimination. So if there's organizations in your community or in the world around you that are making positive change and affecting positive change, get involved. See if there's a way you can help donate your time. If you have some money, maybe they need some money. You can donate money. There's lots of ways you can help. Uh, just just try and make the world a little, little bit better and you'll feel better. Or just don't make it fucking worse. So just fuck all this Nazi bullshit and all this fascist bullshit. Uh, let's move back to doing positive things. Contribute to your scene. Anyone can do this stuff. You can start a band. You can start a fanzine. You can start a podcast. Like, look... If this episode didn't inspire you to go out there and to try and like create your own culture, I don't know what would like to see what, you know, Poopin and, and these bands, like three bands that ultimately put out tapes that changed, changed like the entire landscape for music in that country. And I don't know, it's, it's amazing to see what people can do and uh, what punk kind of empowers you to do so start a band start a fanzine start a podcast do whatever maybe not a podcast but you know there's lots of other things you can do that are valid well, i start a podcast who gives a fuck uh donate your organs when you die because you don't need them anymore and other people can really use them i've seen it happen i've seen miracles happen with my own eyes and when organs are donated so you know sign the organ donor card and try meditating. Just don't have to get a nap. There's lots of free YouTubes. I'm sure there's on your, uh, God, you can find places to meditate everywhere now. And just try it and stick with it. Because eventually these sorts of practices um, that you, you pick up, they become part of just your routine. And you end up just finding yourself falling into them and, and relying on them. And I, I didn't believe in it. And I've seen, once again, with my own eyes, how much it's made a positive change in my life. And I know certain people have been doing this for their entire lives. And people have been doing these practices for centuries. But there's a reason they have. Millennia has probably been doing these practices. But there's a reason. Because it helps ground. and Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. Because I'm not an expert. At all. But that doesn't mean, you know, I, I, I can't tell you from my own experience. So go and try it. Oh man, I'm tired. It's very late at night. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you stuck around this far into the podcast, I appreciate you doing that. You're probably just, like, indisposed right now. You can't 
hit that stop button or that skip button. So you're just waiting for this me to end this shit. Oh man. Well, I, I could, I could probably just end it right now, but I'm just going to give it a second and just, you know, hold it out. You know, you, you waited this long to chill with me and I'm, I'm happy to chill with you as long as you want to chill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.